it was kind of like that breakdown between founders and CEOs. Mm-hmm. And the founder's mm-hmm. role is that visionary that kind of, you know, jump off the cliff, that take the risk because there's something that doesn't exist and they're trying to make it exist, you know? And so yeah. they're kind of pushing it forward where the CEO role is more of managing risk and making sure everything mm-hmm. stays alive and making sure the best decision for the company. And it, like, naturally those have a lot of conflict. There's a lot of tension mm-hmm. between those two roles. And so um, <clears throat> I, it's not that someone can't fill both of those, right? It's not that you can't do that, but just... It's a 30 minute hour where you grow into your power. Welcome to the 30 minute hour. It's the personal development podcast for the seven figure entrepreneur who's looking to level up and become unstoppable. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner who's conducted over 28,000 coaching sessions. Also joining me, you know him as the super CEO, the business strategist extraordinaire, and all-around good guy, Ted Fells. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. So good to be here. That's right. It is indeed a happy Monday. And Ted, it's a happy Monday for these entrepreneurs who are watching us because they get to learn how to increase their pay by getting out of the way. You know how you know a lot of times you have a bottle and you have a bottleneck. You know, mm. most of the time that the bottleneck is always at the top of the bottle. And a lot of times with these organizations, the bottleneck is at the top. And once the and, and that's a hard thing to know that you know this that you you are are the cause and potentially the solution to the potential problem. So this is a good opportunity if you're looking to scale your business to the next level and really increase your pay, this is something you really want to lean in on and make sure you're taking notes. Uh, but this is not your everyday podcast. This, so we, we didn't get a chance to forewarn our, our guest that we, we do things a little different here. Yeah, this, this is a little different, but I, I think he's up to the task for sure. I hope so. I'm a little nervous now. I wasn't nervous till now. <laughs> that was fine until you said that. But yeah, this this is great. I'm pumped. We want we want to get you in first. Yep, that's right. You you hooked me in. Now I'm in, and now you can do whatever you want. So I'm on your show. Let's go. Let's go. Reel them in. Reel them in. That's so great. Oh man. All right. Well, let's let's get this party started. Again, we're talking about how to increase your pay by getting out of the way. Uh, so our, our guest of honor has worked in marketing, communications, and the sales sectors of business for over 20 years. He is the founder and CEO of Loan for Creative, a digital marketing agency, as well as a professional speaker and a sought-after business coach. Please join me in welcoming to the 30-Minute Hour Podcast, Tyler Pygod. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hooking me in and bringing me into the show. <laughs> Welcome. It's going to be fun. Yeah, definitely. It's an honor to have you on. And I know we're going to talk about some great stuff. You really do some, I've, 
had to, I was doing my research. And, and so I try to, you know, get what the customer is going to get and, and see that experience. And I can see why you're having the success you're having. I mean, you really have very intelligent lead strategies. So I'm hoping to get into that. So our entrepreneurs could benefit from that as well. Um, before we go there, though, I, I do want to get some of the backdrop and the, and the backstory for people that don't know you. Uh, so you were at the University of Washington as an undergraduate back in the day. What were your career plans at that time? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I went to the University of Washington and kind of in the midst of that, I had a, I, I was not like a school guy. Like I was not an academic, didn't really like, I wasn't a book smart guy, probably still not. Um, but I started uh, businesses earlier on. And, you know, when you're a teenager or whatnot, and you're making decent money because you started by whether it's landscaping or it's, uh, you know, computer something at that point or making a video or whatever it was um, and kind of got the taste of that. And so um, didn't really think school was all that great. But I had an amazing professor. Well, I think I was maybe two, maybe my second year in college, maybe my third year. And he was, he used to produce all of ABC Sports um, Olympics, the, so the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics. And he kind of was just fascinating to me because he actually had a job outside of being a college professor and it was relevant and it was kind of cool. And so um, he kind of hooked me into his broadcast program. Um, and so I actually double majored one in broadcast and one in communications um, back then, hoping to do something in like the TV space, like TV industry, kind of broadcast industry. Um, and then realized pretty quickly that most of those jobs were in New York or L.A. and didn't have a huge interest in living in either of those places. Um, and I met a girl. So, you know, that made everything turn uh, take take a left hand turn. So that's what I was doing back then. So, so you you were the guy that was like selling t-shirts on campus and just <laughs> you, you were that guy well i actually started when i was a junior in high school i started a dj company and this was back in the day that you could uh you know mix uh things onto a cassette you, know, you could take two tracks and move them onto a cassette you make like a mixtape or something and so hmm. i could i you know dj all the high school dances and parties and then started getting in weddings and kind of pr pretty quickly realized i could make a decent living and pay for school, pay for college, you know, end the college debt free by working like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, kind of those evenings. And so um, I started a DJ company and I bet I've DJed three or 400 weddings at this point and mm. tons of parties and all sorts of different things uh, back then before iTunes and Spotify, and you'd have to go to music stores, you know, and hunt for the track that people wanted and that kind of thing. Um, but that was what I was doing uh, in college to make ends meet and make it so I didn't leave with a ton of debt. There you go. And, and so what, what advice, if you could go back in time, knowing what you now know, what advice would you give to your younger self? Yeah. Um, you know, as far as like, call it like a early grad, you know, just out of college kind of age for me, um, I think I probably would say or encourage people to start chasing bigger dreams earlier. Mm -hmm. um, I think oftentimes people spend, you know, sometimes a decade in their, in, in a career, before they really kind of, you know, Hey, I want to do this or I want to do that. And so I'd encourage people to chase their dreams bigger, you know, bigger, those bigger dreams earlier. And then, um, this is hard to do when you're, when you're younger, but I would encourage people to, and would have encouraged myself to really figure out who you are and what you're good at and what you like doing and what you want to be about. Um, and just kind of stick to that. 
Um, I think that so many people, including myself back in that time, just tried to fit a mold, you know, tried to fit a mold into, into a career path or into a community or group of friends or whatever it was. Um, and so I think just, I mean, it's kind of sounds funny, but it's just figure out what you want to be good at and kind of lean into that. Um, and I feel like that would have been really beneficial for me, uh, earlier on. Um, so that's probably what I'd say to myself at least. No, that's good stuff. I think it's easy to kind of get down a path just because that's what you're supposed to do or go down yeah. a path. Right. And if you think you really want to be an accountant, you know, I, like I would, I would tell my, you know, spend time with somebody, somebody like you think you want to be an accountant, spend the day with an accountant. Yeah. You know, do you see yourself doing that for the next 40 years? <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then you'll realize it either yes or no. And I feel like you get to that pretty quick usually when you're, you know, around somebody in that career path or, or, you know, area of focus, I feel like it answers a lot of questions really fast for people. So yeah, I think it's, a, that's a great uh, encouragement for people to do. For sure, for sure. So, so you're the founder of this company, The Loan for a Creative. Like, what exactly does your company do, and, and what, what what inspired you to start it? Yeah. Um, all right. So, I'm a problem solver, kind of by nature, and have focused on kind of the marketing, sales, branding, kind of sectors of of business and solving problems in that industry. And so, I've done that for the last 20 years, basically. Um, and so, I think for me, I worked on the kind of corporate side primarily until about nine or 10 years ago when I started this. And I think saw an opportunity to really go um, and be able to kind of scale that ability to help people and ability to kind of solve problems. And so um, that translated over, you know, the first kind of year and, and change of me jumping into my own thing to wanting to build a team for that and kind of having a, a vision for what that team could be. Um, so that was kind of the, I guess, infancy stage of, of jumping into what I'm doing now. Um, and then our company really focuses on um, kind of two different kind of phases or two different uh, sections of the business. One is kind of that brand strategy. How do you talk about yourself, your positioning? How's that been rolled out onto all your kind of public facing materials, sales, marketing, websites, leave behinds, all sorts of different things you, you would need to communicate your message and the problem you fix and what makes you unique. And then the second part of the business is really amplifying that message. So call that lead generation, demand generation, trying to get more eyeballs on your business of the kind of specific customers you're trying to reach. Um, tons of ca campaigns, tactics, activities, all sorts of things, you know, within that kind of lead generation side of things. But um, those are kind of like the, the two different sides that the business focuses on. And it's kind of split down the middle between the amount of work we do in each um, generally. So, Okay. And who do you consider your ideal client? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, really companies that want to build their brand on HubSpot. So we're a HubSpot partner and spend a lot of time on the HubSpot platform. Um, and so a lot of brands and companies that are really trying to look to scale their, the, the focus or scale the like size of their brands and needing a platform and automation and technology to help them with that. Um, specifically in that education support vertical. And so companies think companies that sell to, you know, professional development, sell to higher ed, sell to kind of academic education kind of systems and, and communities. Um, so those kind of B2B type clients are what we're mainly focused on. Um, of course, like every business, you have a couple outliers, but that's what we're mainly focused on. Okay. And, and so you, you help entrepreneurs to get out of their own way and, um, so first off, like, what are some examples, what, what are some ways that we get in our own way? 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I would say that most entrepreneurs want to control everything. Mm. Um, and there's, you know, rightly so in some ways, because oftentimes an entrepreneur might start something on their own. They're not starting it with a team of 50 or hundred or however many people are on their team. They're starting it by themselves. And so they do oftentimes have to get things in motion. You know, I call it going from zero to one. And so they have to time, oftentimes have to do that themselves as they're used to relying on maybe their own skill sets or their own follow through or whatever it looks like. Um, but then as you grow, you start that control or that desire to, to really have your hand in everything does slow you down and become, like you said earlier, that bottleneck um, of being able to grow and expand. And so um, I'd say that's the one thing I feel like I see on a regular basis is control and wanting to be your hand, like I say, your hand in everything that's going on in the company. Um, and not really like allowing somebody else to run with it or, or really be able to pass off, you know, that, that task or that project or that kind of core responsibility in your company. Um, and that's, I would say that's the number one thing I feel like I see on a regular basis. Um, kind of follow up to that would be like communication hurdles. I feel like oftentimes uh, entrepreneurs trying to grow something aren't the best at communicating detail. And so then they're only going to communicate part of what is needed, but then it would cause them to get frustrated that that thing wasn't done well. Um, but oftentimes it is traced back to what was communicated and, and kind of how, um, how it was presented or whatnot. Um, and then I'd say the last piece is, and I'd say most entrepreneurs chase shiny things. And so, you know, the idea of sticking with something long enough to see it succeed or learn from it so that the next, you know, V2, V2.0 or something could actually be better. Um, most entrepreneurs oftentimes are like, they're not focused long enough to see some, like the results that they want. Um, they kind of jump from it or chase something else and lose focus on it too quickly. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense, but control being that first one, communication hurdles, and then kind of like that, uh, shiny object chasing syndrome. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw a stat. You talk about communication. I saw a stat. Um, it said that bad communication costs a typical company. $11,000 per employee per day yep. on average. Yep. That you, you see, you, you can agree based on all your interactions with companies. You can attest to that. Oh my word. It's uh it's a fascinating, you know, when you're a service provider to companies, the communications all you got. And so um, that, you know, whether it's a deliverable they're expecting from us or it's a you know, approval we're expecting from them or, whatever it can be, so much can be lost in translation on that communication piece. And then, you know, you can lose time on that, which time usually for some, a lot of stuff we're working on time can be, you know, products sold and they're not selling as many products because of the, that, you know, that we didn't launch it fast enough or whatever because of communication challenges and that equals lost money. And sometimes for us too, if we're waiting on clients, you know, we're not able to jump into the next project because we're having to wait on this project. That's not, you know, not, not, not launched yet. And then we could lose money from not being able to jump onto the next, another project. And so, um, yeah, I would totally agree. I think the communication can, uh, be a, a rough, a rough scenario for it, uh, for a lot of companies, for sure. If they're not, if they're not great at it or not great at improving and iterating on it. So it's also, I want to talk about the, the shiny penny piece too. Is it, yeah. the, is it a search for like a quick fix? Is it, what, what is it with this whole shiny penny? Cause I, I, I see it a lot. In, yeah. my, in my work as well. Yeah. I mean, I've got opinions on it, you know, obviously, but um, I think, you know, oftentimes people starting organizations are builders. 
and they like to jump in and they want to build something. And so it's like that kind of zero to one or zero to five or whatever the number is. If you're trying to, if, if success is 10, you know, they're building the beginning of it or getting it rolling or getting it in motion. Um, and the minute it shifts to call it maintenance, if you will, you know, like you kind of built it and now you're kind of, you're running plays, you're running a playbook to make it work. Um, you can, oftentimes it's just boring. Like you just lose mm -hmm. interest because that's just not your personality or whatever, if you're an entrepreneur or a builder. Um, and so I don't, you know, I, it's, you don't want to like penalize people because that's sometimes just how they're wired, you know, they're wired to kind of build things and oftentimes miss that window of putting someone that's an operator or putting someone that kind of, you know, is maybe, maybe more of a, Hey, your goal is to, to continue the motion of this. And I'm going to go then build the next thing. Um, and they try to do it all themselves. Um, and so they can oftentimes then go chase the next thing because they just are more attracted to whether it can be building other areas of their company or other focuses, it can be, Hey, I built this thing and now I'm going to go whatever invest in this over here and build this thing. It could be a totally different project. But I think oftentimes that is what I see is just that people's wirings. If you're an entrepreneur, you want to build stuff. And so then once it switches away from building and it's more maintaining, there's just less, less interest. And so they naturally just kind of shift to something else. Um, so it's not all bad. It's just, you've got to make sure you're watching out for that to know, um, when to put somebody in place. Um, I call it my, a shelf life. I feel mm -hmm. like most entrepreneurs have a shelf life. And so, hmm. um, at some point they, they go bad because, you know, like they, that what they're really good at is not that maintenance piece or, you know, like they're, they're good at getting things in motion, but then once it's moving, they want to move on to the next thing. Cause that's just what they're motivated by. Um, so, so, so Ted, so, I see you shaking your head. So Ted has had his company for 26 years. So yeah, love to hear your thought on this totally you know the interesting thing about you know in starting a, a company and you know you usually you know you say hey, man I, i'm really good at tech stuff and i love tech stuff a lot mm -hmm. like you said fix stuff like that was my thing networking and yeah putting computers together making them communicate and cyber security, all that stuff and then you i'm gonna get a company and that's what i'm gonna do and then you get the company and i don't do any of that <laughs> like I'm, totally. in, I'm in meetings, I'm coming up with strategy, I'm looking at ways to to market our services. I'm dealing with people yep. all the time, not the computers. I'm dealing with the the people stuff. Yeah, and you know, and and you got to get to that that place of okay, you're shifting to you. You're not who you thought you were going to be in your company. There's someone else that you hired to be that person. Right. And it's tough. It's yeah. tough because you keep trying to go back to that. You know, I uh, I have this saying, I call it like seventh floor and 12th floor. Like the seventh floor is like you just kind of in there and you're doing some stuff, fixing mm -hmm. some stuff, connecting some stuff. And then 12th floor is just all strategies. Where's the white floor? Let's draw this up. This is yeah. where we're going. Here's our as is. Here's our to be. This is the roadmap of all of that. And yeah, you got to be, you know, you got to be interested in making that and that change because if you just kind of keep going back to that you know you'll be fixing some stuff but as far as growth and all of that you just not gonna have much of that yeah yeah no i think it i somebody explained this to me a number of years ago and it was actually really helpful and it was kind of like that breakdown between founders and ceos mm -hmm. and the founder's mm -hmm. role is that visionary that kind of you know jump off the cliff that take the risk because there's something that doesn't exist and they're trying to make it exist you know and so they're yeah. kind of pushing it forward. 
where the CEO role is more of managing risk and making sure everything mm -hmm. stays alive and making sure the best decision for the company. And it, like naturally, those have a lot of conflict. There's a lot of tension mm -hmm. between those two roles. And so um, I, it's not that someone can't fill both of those, right? It's not that you can't do that, but just expect that tension if that's your wiring. Um, and it's tough to also jump out of one of those if, you know, maybe I started as a founder and now I want to be the CEO or vice versa or something. And, and those are really, yeah, like I say, they're really kind of always at odds with each other based on kind of the natural wiring of, of those two roles. So uh, I like your seventh floor versus 12th floor. I'm envisioning like, you know, conference tables, meeting rooms, it's all <laughs> fancy on the 12th floor and the seventh floor is like getting stuff done. My sleeves are getting rolled up, you know, like it's, yeah. Yeah. Things are just moving down there. And it's, and you, and you know, in a small business and you, oftentimes you're, you're, you're like constantly on that elevator between the seventh and the 12th floor mm -hmm. or you're, or you're running up and down steps. Yeah. Right. Totally. Like, cause you know, cause early on it's like, yeah, I'm just going to be back here doing strategy. Well, no, you're not. Cause it's just you now. Mm -hmm. Right. So you gotta, you gotta bake the cookies. Yeah. Like you gotta make the cookies and they yeah. come up with the, the marketing plan to, to, to push those cookies. Yeah. But then, yeah, but you're in such a rush. Like you yeah, at some point early on, can't wait till I get employee number two because that person is going to bake the cookies and I'm going to go over here. Yeah. Need you here to help me with these, these cookies. Where are you going? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys read the Michael Gerber's E-Myth book? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And he, he talks about pies. So his example mm -hmm. in the whole book is talking about the tactician that makes the pies versus the manager versus the store owner kind of like then breaks down those roles. Sure. Um, and he has a lot of great examples of really like looking yourself in the mirror kind of thing and go, well, who are you? And be okay with that. You don't have, not everyone has to be, you know, top of the food chain, if you will, in a business, you might just be really good at, in your kit, you know, like computers, network, uh, system admin, like you might just be really good at that. And so, you know, hang out in that lane and that's, there's nothing wrong with that and bring people in that kind of fill some of the other, the other stuff. Yeah. Um, but it takes a lot of self-awareness for that, I feel like, you know, and, and really digging into like naturally you'd go, cool, I started the company. I would continue to, you know, elevate and delegate things below and bring people in. But you, that might not be the best fit, uh, you know, at some point and really being able to kind of answer that for yourself, I think is a challenge um, at, for, for most people. It is for me. I think it is probably for most people, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. There's another book. Uh, it's called Rocket Fuel. And he yeah. kind of makes the distinction. You, know, you have the visionary and you have the integrator, right? So the visionary says, hey, we're going to the moon. And you're like, how do you get there? I don't know. We're going to the moon. We, we'll, we'll yeah. make it, we're going to make it happen. But yeah. the integrator is like, okay, we're going to go to the moon. We need to have the right size rocket. We need to make sure we've got qualified astronauts and the rocket has to have fuel. So you, so you need both. A lot of the great companies, you have that one person who's the visionary. Then you have that other person who's really more in the, in the, to the tactics. So I, yeah. I think that's the key thing. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Good stuff. So now, all right. So, so now we're starting to understand how we get in our own way, right? So what's the solution? What are some steps that we can take to get out of our own way and increase our pay? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, it's, I think, you know, it's, it's nuanced probably a little bit in every industry, right? Like it's probably a little bit different for every industry. <laughs> Um, I think probably the thing that's helped me the most as I've grown and different organizations, different teams 
is really to be pretty transparent and ask really good questions of the people that are around you. So that could be contractors, it could be family, it could be, you know, employees, it could be any sort of people. Um, once you started to build your organization, some of the questions that I kind of recommend are like really just asking, hey, what am I the bottleneck on? What do you guys feel stuck on? What is it that you can't, what decisions can't you make unless I'm in the room or I'm part of the, you know, evaluation? You know, what do you need to ask me about before you move forward? Like a lot of those kind of questions to really understand, you know, really how you are in the way, because it's hard to increase your responsibility, which oftentimes can increase that pay if you're, if you're continue to carry so much of the weight of that organization or your department or whatever that is. And so having those transparent kind of questions, conversations, I think is really helpful to kind of, to, to be aware of that kind of stuff. Sometimes you have to ask me of yourself of, you know, I'm always playing the game of efficiencies. I'm always playing the game of, oh, I can systematize or process that or automate that. Okay, great. It's going to go over here. And then I, I mean, like on my calendar, I have a, it's called a frustration hour. And so I have a frustrations list on my, on my phone and I write down things that frustrate me and it could be <laughs> communication. It could be calendaring. It could, I mean, it could be literally anything. It could be running to the grocery store. It could be whatever frustrates you. And then on uh, every, every Friday, I just have an hour blocked on and I just go, great, I'm going to start tackling some of the things that frustrate me and mm. delegate them, system, mm. you know, write them out how you do them, pass them off, whatever that looks like. Um, but it helps you kind of get into your sweet spot a little bit more, like just a little bit more every every week or every month. You know, it's not a, a, a total career change or job description change, but it's a lot of those things that make you feel kind of bogged down. Because um, mm. I think most people... Uh, if you have kind of gotten to a spot in your career where you hear, this is what I'm focused on or what I, what I'm good at, or kind of what your X factor is, or like your, your kind of secret weapon or your superpower. Um, every, every book you read has a different variation of how they describe that, but that kind of your superpower, um, the more things, the longer you get, uh, in your, the longer you stay in your career, your job, the more things like glom onto you or, or, or kind of attached to you. And your less of your superpower is actually being used, and so you really do have to focus pretty hard on how do you sift through the, the the muck and the distractions and all the things because most people at most companies, especially small business, have something. If they just did more of that, they would the company would be the next level successful, whatever that looks like for that company. And so I think that's like a big piece of you know. I guess, you know, increasing your pay or getting on your own way is really just like sorting through the stuff that, hey, this doesn't matter and I don't need to work on this. Um, I think, uh, you know, a couple of other things for that is like that focused piece. And this is another element to it. Um, I, I probably, I think in 2018, I think I turned my my iPhone, I just turn it, it's on DND all the time. And so like you can't call me unless you're on my favorites list. And I don't, I get texts from my kids and my wife and that's the only thing that comes through. Um, but it's helped me, you know, be able to focus and I choose when I engage. And so I'm just using that example. I've probably got 15 of those examples, but that's an example of me being able to stay focused on this is where I'm going. This is what I do because everybody wants a piece of your time, no matter who you are, what role you have on a team. It doesn't, I'm not saying this based on running an organization or a team. That can be literally anybody because you're just trying to like offload. Everyone's trying to like get things out of their you know, off their plate and pass it to somebody else and give somebody else the responsibility. And so the more focused you can stay in kind of your lane, I think that generally the more successful you are because you're accomplishing the right things versus getting distracted by some of the wrong things. Um, mm. And that takes time to sort through for sure. That, that's interesting, Eric. You may remember <clears throat> past guest uh, 
Walter Jones talked about that, where he said when he starts off in the morning, like the first hour or so, he just kind of kind of tasking, giving out tasks. Yeah. He's, not t- he's not reading any emails or people asking something from him. It's like he just starts off his day kind of in all, on offense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know. No, that's good. And, and you said, I've never heard it put this way, the, the idea of the frustrations hour. <laughs> we just make a list of all your fr- so yeah. I'm understanding you correctly. So you take an hour, you just think of everything that frustrates you, you yeah. put it down on paper, and then you got time blocked off in your calendar on Friday to go through the frustrations. Yeah. So I like I'm literally have my list on my phone. And it's I so throughout the week, throughout the weekend, whatever, if I think of something and it causes like a frustration, I'll throw it on my phone. And so that's going to be a whatever, five seconds or whatever it is to just jot down a quick thought or an audio note or whatever. And then throughout the week, like at the end of the week or whenever it is on someone's schedule, you've got like a block on your calendar. No one can schedule over it. It takes a little bit of discipline to focus on it, but then go to your list on, that you're keeping and then pick some things off. Just go, oh, I don't like, like doing that. Or how do I not have to do that again? Or, you know, those types of things. And they can be big, they can be small, but at least then every week I'm kind of chipping away at some of those things that probably suck my energy or make it so I'm not as productive or whatever the kind of byproduct of that is. But um, that's been really helpful for me. Um, It started with, this was a number of years ago reading, um, oh my gosh, the Stephen Covey book uh, where there's the quadrants. Yeah. There's different um, quadrants and you kind of place your task. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's in seven habits. That's right. Uh And it's kind of like a, you know, each quadrant to think of like a grid, you know, and there's four quadrants and each quadrant's kind of like a, Hey, you're good at this and you like it. You're good at this. You don't like it. You are bad at this and you don't like it, you know, kind of like just breaks those off. And then I used to every quarter go through and redo that. And so I'd go, what are all the things I'm working on? And then I place them in there. And then like the things that I wasn't good at and I didn't like doing, I'd go, I'm going to hire a person or a contractor or a VA or whatever the service is that would help me kind of chip those things away. And that's gotten harder as the, I've grown in teams and, and the company's gotten bigger. And so now I think this frustrations list helps me just chip away at things a little bit more uh, frequently, um, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. I'm just thinking of my frustrations list as we speak. And it's <laughs> <laughs> Eric has left the podcast. And he's just... <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Dave may have to ask you the next few questions. because I'm, I'm, I got frustrations on my mind here now. Yeah, <laughs> totally. No, I, I think that's that's a fantastic idea, and that I'm going to actually, uh, I'm going to add a variation of that to my, yeah. uh, my own personal thing. That's glad totally. you yeah, make that it, up. I mean, I think I probably stole it from someone at some point and made it my own and have done have my own way of doing it. Um, but I think one of the things that's helpful for that is, you know, there there's always things that kind of frustrate you, and if there's any way that you know the next time that thing happened, at least maybe it's a little bit less or a little bit less frustration. I think it's really encouraging because there's so many things as you guys know, running an organization, probably every day you've got some sort of staggering news that kind of sucks and it might not be great. And so if you can start to chip away at some of those types of things, I think it can be really helpful. Um, but just for me personally, it's just helpful. Like mental, mentally it's helpful because at least you feel like you're taking some ground and and some of those things that are might be annoying or, or irritating or something. So. And then writing it down gets it out of your head. Yeah. You know? Gets it out of your head. Now you can you can just move forward. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's not, you've got an excellent model that we use to help people 
what's a memorable client story that you have someone who succeeded by applying your model yeah um i mean kind of earlier on so this was probably 12 13 years ago launching a c i worked for an investment group and launched a cpg brand and so we launched a consumer beverage product and ran it through a test market built a brand user groups professional athletes rolled it up and down all the grocery stores on the west coast um kind of took about four four or five years to do that and that one was really fun because of the model really was just how can we just help more people and so it was you know we believed our product helped people and so then it was how can we get it to those people and go through non-traditional channels and be creative with it and we kind of we partnered with a lot of um, distributors and like grocery stores and some of those kind of distribution channels um, with the idea of, hey, how can we help you move more of your product that you're trying to sell into different stores versus most people are doing the opposite of how can you help me sell more of my product? Um, and that, I feel like that company took off or that product took off pretty well because of that um, kind of mentality, which was really helpful. Um, I'm trying to think of like stories that stand out like in the last kind of five, six years of running this organization. I mean, it is how we model all of our engagements. And so it is really just, hey, how can we help and serve and support our clients um, from, you know, hey, you know, like we work with, uh, we have a client we've had for a long time that's a big senior and assisted living community. And when we first started with them, they were, you know, had a couple properties and they were marginally, uh, you know, occupied kind of thing. And we helped them grow lists and they've now built, built more properties and now those are all full. And, um, but a lot of that has been just, hey, how can we help? And, you know, we come with strategies and ideas and all sorts of things, but it's more so what's the burning thing that they're trying to figure out and whether that's helping them automate some of their tour signups or it's, you know, it's the, hey, you, you, did you know you could use text messaging to communicate during COVID or something? And it's calling them and asking, how can we help? How can we help? How can we help? And so I just would say like that model has been really, um, really good for our, our business. And, and then also it's been fun because it's attracted really incredible people that I get to work with every day because that's their kind of, I guess, heartbeat as well, if you will, just to help people and serve um, where they can um, mm -hmm. and use kind of some of their skill sets and talents that they've developed to just help push other businesses and other brands forward. Um, so I don't, that's not like a specific example, I guess, or I guess there's a couple kind of intertwined in there. Um, but a lot of it's just, I guess, like a, uh, like a servant mentality kind of concept, if that makes sense. Oh, sure. um, in, in a bit in a business model, whereas in so many other businesses, I feel like, Hey, this is what we sell and this needs to force fit into your, you know, setup. And that doesn't always work for the person receiving it. Um, and so I think allowing us to do that and just really come with like that help first kind of mentality and add value first, um, has been uh, super beneficial for us for sure. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, so let's shift, let's shift gears a little bit. Yeah. So, so what's one thing that you're most proud of about yourself that people don't know about you? Huh. One thing that I'm the most proud of of myself that people don't know. Um, well, first off, I've been married for 20 years and love my wife still. And that's been awesome. So um, that's for sure on there. I've got two teenage daughters. That's been incredible. Um, they're kind of the reason I get out of bed every morning and, and why, why I try to build something and have something to pass off. So that's like a, you know, a hundred percent. Um, 
in addition to that, and you said you said one, but I'm going to give you two. Um, that one's incredible. There's nothing that really holds a candle to that. But the second one, probably for me, that I'm the most proud of that people might not know, is my growing up, I was a part of an entrepreneurial family. So my dad started a business kind of roughly probably when I was born or something around that uh, time frame, and ran it for about 25 years. Grew it up, grew it up to about 600 employees and numerous locations, about 13 mm-hmm. um, lo- locations and. Um, was, uh, I would say successful for, for how you kind of from outside looking in and, um, but that business, uh, kind of folded at the beginning, kind of around, around 2000, maybe around, uh, yeah, probably about 2000, 2001. And, um, I remember getting a, uh, I was in college, finishing up college at that point and getting a phone call saying, Hey, you know, this is what's going on. And, you know, we're liquidating absolutely everything so we can, pay for whatever's left and write last checks for employees and all those types of things. And so um, probably for me, I take a lot of pride in really starting from scratch and starting over mm. and having to, you know, figure everything out from zero and not really having, you know, there's been a lot of amazing things that have, uh, and people that have come alongside of me and given me opportunities. And I'm super thankful for all those. But I think just like that, you know, I didn't necessarily have a platform to jump from like some, some might. Um, and I'm, by, by no means am I going, I wish I would have had that because I'm super thankful for the the cards I was dealt, I suppose, because it's really built a lot of grit and determination and resilience in my personality to go through things. Hmm. Um, but I think that's probably, for me, one of the things I take the most pride in and I'm proud of is just that ability to kind of start from nothing. And, um, you know, I suppose people might not know that. So that'd be, that's why I'm sharing hmm. it because I'm trying to think of things that people don't know. So. Hmm. That's, that's incredible. I mean, so you, and so you basically, so you were in college when this happened. Yeah. So you, you had to basically figure it out and finish funding the rest of your education. Yeah. Like the next day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I was, it was, uh, I've worked full time since then. And that was like, uh, you know, pay for school, pay for housing, food, like all those types of things and kind of right away. So, um, <laughs> And, you know, like you kind of look at that going, wow, that's crazy. But I also go, man, I wouldn't be where I'm at now if I didn't have that. Because I learned, you know, you learn how to work real hard real quick um, because it's to get a little bit of that desperate, a little more like that desperate spot, you know, where you're just going, hey, I need this to happen by this date so that I can whatever, pay rent in this apartment or I can, you know, uh, pay for food this month or electric bill or whatever, you know, like the all the different things that uh, you you have to do that oftentimes don't adjust until you maybe are a couple of years out of college, at least for some people. Um, so I feel like I jumped into that quick and uh, it's been an adventure since then, <laughs> like everyone's life. So that's great. You know, Ted has this, this uh, uh, metaphor of being locked in a room. I'll let you tell it, Ted. We, we talk about this all the time. Yeah, it has everything to do with yeah. what you just said. Uh, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. It's like, you're, <laughs> you're, you're locked in a room and you got to get out. Like, you know, it doesn't really matter as much at that moment how you got in there, right? Oh, man, how did this happen? This yeah. shouldn't have happened. And, yeah, but you got to get out, though, Tom. You got to mm-hmm. get out. So, you know, everything was going a certain way for you. And then it's like, okay, yeah. what, what you going to do? You know, you can go to the door and try to get out. and But if that doesn't work, right, then what? You can call someone. You can text someone. You know, yeah. last thing you're going to do is, look out the window and jump, right? You, you, you've had to exhausted every possible thing before you say, okay, let me jump. Unless you're on the first floor. If you're on the first yeah. floor or something, 
you know, <laughs> you could probably do it. But other than that, just the last option. But but yeah, when you have that moment and then, you know, when you when you're able to get through that, then everything is like that. Hmm. Right. It's like, OK, well, how do I get out this room? Yeah. How do I get out this room? You know, and it's interesting, you know, I listen to people on my team and I'm like, oh, well, we we can't, you know, we, we don't have any experience doing X, Y, Z. I'm like, when I started to come in, I didn't have any experience in anything. Yeah. I didn't have any experience in anything. So, that, so not having any experience, we don't have the, we don't have the budget. Mm-hmm. I started with no budget. Right? <laughs> yeah, totally. So w- budget, what is that? Yeah. Like you gotta fit, you gotta figure it out. And I think once you get to that point, like then there's nothing that can stop you in your business, right? Because you're always gonna be like, okay, I gotta figure it out. I gotta figure it out. What am I yeah. gonna do? Like, you know, it's my my faith and my hustle. Yeah. Right. Those two things together, that that's what it is. You got your faith and you got your hustle. Right. Yeah. You, you know, you gotta have them both. Right? You got faith, but you ain't gonna hustle then. Yeah. Yeah, I got this faith. You lean, I got on, this lean faith. on one versus the other. Like you're gonna, you know, they're always gonna be cleaning back and forth. I got this faith that someone's gonna come here and open this door for me and get me out of here at some point. <laughs> and a month goes by, and you're like, man, where is that someone? Right? <laughs> totally. That house is gonna be like, okay, I'm getting out of here. I'm yeah. digging through mm-hmm. the ceilings or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it. Like, there's a weird. Um, uh, like almost hope in it though, because it does allow you to rely on that ability to where you go. I've been in here before, meaning I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure this out and I know I'm going to figure out how to get out of here. You know, the door's locked and I can't figure out how to leave. But when I think when you build that muscle, you are able to rely on it. Like I just, I remember distinctively like in the beginning of kind of, I hate to bring up COVID again, because it doesn't feel like it exists anymore. But uh, you know, in the beginning months of that, I, you know, there was fear people had were scared of this or that, or what's going to happen. And business-wise, the same. And I think when you're able to go, that will be fine. That will figure it out. We'll figure out what people need. We'll, you know, reinvent the business if we have to. Well, you know, like maybe you don't want to, but that's different, you know. Whereas when you've got that faith, that hustle, that drive, that kind of mindset that you can lean into, I think is, I don't know. I feel like it's super powerful. And I think most entrepreneurs can relate to it in some way, shape, or form. So. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right. So, you're always getting asked for advice, right? Whether it's on a podcast, whether it's one of your clients, like, like what's the one question you never get asked that you wish people would ask you? <laughs> um, I think probably, like, I don't know about a specific question, probably something around uh, like everyone in the marketing space, like on the client side is always shopping for the silver bullet. Uh-huh. And man, I wish people would just ask questions around, Hey, does that silver bullet exist? Or how can you prep me to be, you know, prepared when I'm jumping into whatever this marketing campaign or this brand awareness campaign and how long it's going to take and all those types of things. Um, because I didn't, again, I don't know the exact question, but it's probably something around that, that kind of topic or theme um, because of the amount of times that people just assume they come to a marketing agency or they come hire a marketer or whatever, and they don't get exactly what they thought, but they don't oftentimes realize that, you know, marketing can take months, years to to kind of build. And it's a constant effort. And, you know, speaking of faith and hustle, you know, there's a lot of that that's built into marketing because platforms change or algorithms change or channels change or referrals change, or, you know, so many different things can change so quickly. So it's probably, yeah, if I were to say like question wise, it's something around that, like, 
what are what expectations should I set or what mentality should I come into marketing with? Um, mm. and, and probably something along those lines. What mentality should I come into marketing with? That would be a great question. Because <laughs> nobody they, they think, right? You know, but if I go, I say I'm, I'm gonna deal with this marketing company, I'm thinking, okay, I can check the box, right? I've got Tyler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good. I'm good. I'm good now. I'm good. I got yeah. Tyler. But you're saying I should ask, okay, what's the mindset that I need to have to make this work? Yeah. And I, because I think like, you know, so many people come in with just like this preconceived, like, oh, I need to do this or I need to do that. So whether it's, you know, content and SEO, whether it's paid media, whether it's events or what, you know, like there's tons of different kind of channels or campaigns. Um, the thing that they most of the time don't think about is that there's probably 6,000 other businesses that do the exact same thing you did. They're all competing for the same thing. And so if none of them existed, then yeah, absolutely. I'll sell you this exact playbook and it'll run every time. But you, most of them don't take into account there's whatever, several thousand people doing the same thing that they're doing. And so now you're all competing for that crowded space. And and then all of a sudden, you know, a, a search engine changes their algorithms like Google sometimes does 600 times a year. And so then it's, you know, oh, this worked last week when we ran it for this client, but it doesn't work this week or something. And so... Yeah, I just think the idea of having that more transparent conversation, and we try to, it's just oftentimes, you know, clients don't want to hear that, or they don't want to talk about it, or their expectation is kind of like, the, again, the silver bullet kind of mentality. So yeah, I think that mindset or like how you'd approach marketing or like kind of talking and being more realistic about what you're asking. Um, it's not a bookkeeping question and accounting where you're just solving a math problem. Um, it is a lot more complex than that. So I think that might help I guess maybe help manage expectations slash help who to look for and personality traits and those types of things in the mix of it. So I've not really thought about that a ton, but that's probably the question that people ask. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. So, so we're at the, the final segment of the show. It's called write this down. And this is yeah. where we each go around and leave at least one takeaway from today's episode that we want people to write down so they can level up. Hmm. All right, Tyler, you're the guest of honor. What should the people write down? Okay, so I was thinking about this kind of like concept and trying to figure out like, okay, so what would I, the takeaway be? But I'm not, I wasn't looking at it from a takeaway from today. I feel like we've talked about a bunch of different things today. What The one thing that I'm thinking about is, is that uh, direction is more important than speed. And so mm -hmm. figure out where you want to go. Mm -hmm. I think in this day and age, so many people just want to check stuff off. I just want to move. I just want to get there. I don't have a ton of, you know, attention spans really short. I just, you know, I, I want to get there and you don't spend a ton of time thinking about, well, where do you want to go? Where do you want to end up? Um, and I think from a career standpoint, it's decent advice. Like it's decent to go, well, what do you want to do in 10 years or five years or three years or whatever it is? And then how do you set yourself up for that? Versus I feel like a lot of people go, how do I make a paycheck that supports my living or support, you know, my standard of living, which isn't bad. It just then oftentimes those people might not be happy with what they're doing or, or, or kind of miss the mark maybe on where they're trying to go to because they're not thinking about it um, super clearly. So that direction piece is more important than speed is kind of my, my, my takeaway, I think. That's great. Direction is more important than speed. Definitely write that down. All right. Ted? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one to follow, Tyler. So thanks, th thanks, thanks. <laughs> well, you said I could go first. I mean, yeah, yeah. This, this, you know, Eric sets me up with this all the time. He puts me behind these our, our great guests, and then they come out with, <laughs> and they're already like 
you know, have had a running start. They've been just blowing. Just totally. Yeah, I'm already on the freeway. I already have yeah, the you're, you're ready. You're ready. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Ted, what you got? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, one of the, the things when, it, you know, when it comes to, you know, to, to marketing, you know, I think you have mentioned this, it's not, it's not cookie cookie cutter, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, my grandmother used to say, this, I guess I got to be careful saying I don't want PETA folks getting on me, but she says like, there's like a thousand ways to skin a cat. I mean, I know it sounds really brutal, yeah. right? <laughs> but it is, I mean, there's so many different ways you can, you can do stuff, man. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, and it, and it doesn't take a whole lot of money, right? But you just gotta, you know, if your mind is, is, is truly set to, you know, to, to figuring it out and getting to, getting to there, wherever you determine there is, you know, I mean, you know, whether it's, you know, social media, whether it's, you know, like there used to be a time when, you know, people would go out and it was like, okay, you know, we want to, I need a commercial on television, right? Or I need to have a big banner on the side of a bus or something like that. But there's so many different things that you can do right now to kind of get that message out on whatever it is that you're, you're doing. And again, it, you know, and then, it, you know, there's that, you know, there's being a, you know, persistent, you know, consistent, you know, all those tents, right. You know, just that you, that you have to, to do and, you know, a lot of trial and error and, you know, and listening, talking to, you know, people like yourself that, you know, can give you some things to, you know, to, to try. Um, but just because it worked for one company doesn't mean it's going to work for you, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, so you just gotta, you know, if, you, if you're committed to, to get into there, right? It's, it's kind of like that again, get locked in this room. It's kind of like the, you know, the Rubik Cube and you're gonna, yeah. you know, you're not gonna, you know, I remember that Eric as a kid, man, you know, you had the Rubik Cube and you see some kids, they just, it's done. And I'm sitting here so like, fast. I'm like this and got almost carpal tunnel working on that for a couple of days, trying to yep. figure out how to, to do it. But I mean, yeah. you know, you're gonna get it done. I mean, you just got, there's no, there's no other uh, option, so. Hmm. Yeah, so just you got to figure out, you know, what is going to be the way to, you know, to get to to get to there in your in your business. That's good, awesome. Figure out what's the way that's going to get you there or get to there. Mm-hmm. Write that down. So, so my piece for this is just the value of self awareness. Right, I, I listened to Tyler, and he said that you know you need to be asking these questions like, where am I the bottleneck? And it sounds like it sounds great. It's that sounds so simple yeah. that, oh, yeah. OK, yep. That's all I need to do. But that's hard. Like like I've mm-hmm. in, a, in the beginning, I mentioned that, you know, I've done over 28,000 coaching sessions. I've never had an entrepreneur say that was stuck. Say, hey, Eric, you know what? I'm the problem. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's me. I'm hmm. the bottleneck. No. <laughs> now, what yeah. I have heard is, oh, yeah, it's the economy. It's you know, sure. Uh, person in the white house it's uh, 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 uh. no one has ever told me it was them hmm. you know and so i i think for you to really operate in that it requires a level of self-awareness and, and i think you have to you have to start with yourself right in any type of relationship you need to instead of saying okay what does ted need to do what what do i need to do and maybe i'll get a better response from ted yeah right yeah now, i just think i mean it, Big takeaway, write this down. I mean, self-awareness is your key to success. Hmm. 
Yeah, I feel like early on, I spent a fair amount of time understanding what I could actually control versus what I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and reality is, is like your example with, you know, relationship with Ted or friendship with Ted, like I can't control Ted's response to anything. I can't control what he's good at, what he wants to do. I can't, you know, but I can control me and yeah. how I choose to communicate or respond or interact. And am I perfect? Absolutely not. But at least, you know, as far as what you focus on or work on. So I think you're totally right. Um, Erica, you, you framed it and set it up and with great kind of wording to, but I think you're right. I think that self-awareness piece um, is something to dig in, which is kind of a little bit not normal for, you know, Hey, read a, you know, whatever professional development book or a career book. It's that's not usually what people approach, but at the same standpoint, I think it's pretty important um, from it, you know, growing your career and stuff. So it's good. Yeah, I think you'll get unstuck much faster if you mm. start looking in the mirror instead of looking outside the window yeah uh, at what the problem might be yeah yeah so, oh, for sure it's good well awesome but well, tyler you've given us a lot to digest and think about and you've shared some some great information with us uh, how can the people best connect with you um yeah uh two spots one is check out our company website loanforcreative.com so l-o-n-e-f-i-r like the tree um, creative.com. Um, and then the other is just, I'm usually, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, and so just search my first and last name. You'll probably find the funny looking smiling guy with a lot of hair and, and that's me. Um, so I, I love talking to people on LinkedIn. I think it's a really fun place to interact and learn from people and people ask questions and that kind of stuff. And so, um, please don't hesitate, uh, to, to reach out. Fantastic. All right. So I, I told y'all this is not your everyday podcast. I mean, this has been uh, an amazing episode of the 30 minute hour podcast. Don't forget that you can go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, any of those places uh, where you can consume content and check us out. Make sure you subscribe as well. All right. That, that's our time for this week's episode. Ted? Eric, you have something? We have something to share. Oh, man, that's right. Um, So I am happy to report that we have been selected as finalists. There's a company called Inspire You. And we have been nominated as finalists for Podcast of the Year. The 30-minute hour. And we just want to thank you, our listeners and our watchers, for voting for us, for following us for these past four years. Um, so the voting, and we'll certainly put the link in the show notes, but you can vote between now and July 1st. And if we have the most votes, we can win this award of podcast of the year. So we again, we thank you for all of your support. And, and I think I was asking you earlier, Eric, is there any limitation to how many times they can vote? Yeah, so I would say vote, <laughs> just, just keep voting. That's <laughs> Until it don't, stops don't stop you. it one time. Yeah. Just shameless plug from Ted. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah, I mean, you know, until Tyler was telling me, you know, an American Idol, he's like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, That's yeah, true. why not? So, if you, so if, you, if you feel like voting you know, once or 1,200 times, but you make this, exactly. please, please do. We appreciate it. We, we would definitely appreciate if you voted 1,200 times. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Congrats, guys. That's a big deal. Thank you. Doing a podcast is a hard, is a lot of hard work and having to put up with people like me uh, as well. So, oh, great, uh, great guests like you. 
make it easy to make it easy to do so we appreciate you awesome now we definitely sure. appreciate you for sure it's all right part of it. thanks for having me well, fantastic so, so that is our time for this week until next time have a great one thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 30 minute hour podcast we need your help to grow the show one of the best ways that you can help us is by leaving both a rating and a review you can go to apple podcast stitcher or any of those other podcasting platforms and leave us a rating and a review we've got a bonus that we're running for this month a special bonus that if you take a screenshot of that rating and review and you email it to eric at ericmpwiggs.com you get entered into a special drawing where you can win a free copy of my book the discipline of now 12 practical principles to overcome procrastination and then lastly don't forget to share the show try share the show share this show with someone in your network who you know will benefit from the message again i thank you for listening and remember don't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress so keep growing, keep growing, keep growing.